we are here for the lazy overachiever all day, every day. I'm so grateful for all of you beautifully brilliant and reformed perfectionistic people that are joining us back for the show today. So listen, I know this is a brand new show and it's very different because we talk about it all the time on the BBP, the Balanced Bully Podcast, for those of you who are brand new to us. We talk about the main differences. And one of them that I want to highlight here is although I'm pretty particular about who we bring over to any of our couches, including the Balance Boldly, which is full of potent humans. If you haven't checked out that show, it's everywhere. I'm just saying. So you can go and do that. But the TLO is my new baby. And if you have had children, godparented children, auntied children, or was just that really cool adult for the neighborhood kids, and they come to you in different ways, there's the first batch of kids that you are just trying to figure it out with. Then there's the second batch of kids where you feel more comfortable and confident, where you're like, hmm, it's okay for the baby to jump off the step, <laughs> as long as it's the second step, not like the fifth step, where with your first baby, you wouldn't let them do anything because you were so scared. TLO is very much my third kid, if that gives you any perspective in it. So I've gotten a lot, of sh- a lot sharper, a lot more, I would say, well-rounded in the way that I attract people to the couch that we have for, you know, to sit with this kid and look at this kid and not call this kid ugly and play with this kid. But I also got to really be choosy. I didn't have to just accept any help from anyone. I didn't have to bring any guests because I was just trying to fill a slot, which is what we did early days, Balance Beam podcast, which was the first one back in 2012. I know I look young. I hear it all the time, but I really am an OG in this space. It's okay. Just Keep thinking I'm in my 20s. It's all good. (laughs) We'll ignore that my oldest is 27. Moving on. What I would love to say to you is listen carefully and closely to everyone who sits on this couch because they are extremely impressive and extremely impactful in every single thing they do, especially our new guests, Dr. Aria Gudin. She is so amazing on so many levels from co-author and a licensed clinical psychologist and a host of her own podcast and a major featured expert speaker, the international speaker, a TEDx speaker. I mean, the list could literally go on. But what I found most impressive about her is her passion and her mission to be extremely supportive and focused around unconditional self-worth. I'm just saying, if you're the lazy overachiever that I am, if that is inside of you and you're constantly working to kind of make sure you're balancing and calibrating, you really extra special will appreciate all the work that she's doing. Dr. Adia, welcome to TLO. Thank you for carving out time out of your very full, I won't say busy, and productive (laughs) schedule that you have. I am truly impressed with the work that you're doing, especially around Black women's mental health. And from clinician to clinician, I love that you have focused on this and you decided to show up fully in the work that you're doing personally and professionally. Thank you so much. I so appreciate your warm and affirming welcome and introduction. And I'm excited to be here with you today. Thank you. I know that you co-authored a book not too long ago, and it was uh, released, I think, through Cambridge Press, if I'm remembering mm-hmm. that right. Would you like to share a little bit of what that book is and why you decided to even be a participant in the project? 
Yeah. So the book is promoting black women's mental health, what practitioners should know and do. And it really emerged when my co-author and I, we had been doing trainings for clinicians on how to provide culturally responsive care to black women. And so we had been doing that and sort of started floating the idea of a book. And then we're approached, we were approached by Cambridge, by an editor from Cambridge. And then the book really emerged from there. And it's really intended to help present um, Black women's experience in a very nuanced and thoughtful way. So often Black women are seen as magical, superhuman, always strong, never needing care and support, or we're seen as disadvantaged, oppressed, right? Like we're seen in either this sort of like superhuman positive light or a real negative light. And our intention was really to paint a nuanced, inclusive picture of the many dynamic experiences that Black women have and to help Black women themselves see themselves in these experiences and really to help clinicians know how to support Black women. So we we don't talk a lot about like anxiety and depression, but we talk about things like Black women navigating stereotypes or intimate relationships or shifting um, and adjusting to navigate sexism and racism, right? So we talk about these core issues that Black women experience, and we also really approach this from a personal and collaborative place because we know that we heal in community, we do work in community, we share wisdom. And so it was a really um, very cool book and project to work on, and we're really proud of it. No, I love that. And there's so many, I mean... God, this is like eight episodes. There's so many layers to the work that you're doing specifically, especially around recognizing the multi-layered stereotypes that often come to and sometimes through us as Black women, because unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of generational trauma and a lot of generational harm and a lot of generational narratives that have been passed through the many various diverse communities within the Black community specifically as a like higher level cultural experience. And the fact that you've super niched down on that, I think is something worth noting and something really important. And it does raise the question, uh, you and I kind of like lightly, loosely, you know, shared this in the green room before we got started. When we say things like lazy, because <laughs> this mm-hmm. is the lazy overachiever show. But when we say things like lazy, And it's coming from a human that happens to be a Black person, especially a Black woman, that has its own weightedness if no one has ever heard Nikita Thigpen and ever heard her say that actually she's being tongue in cheek about it because it's just a way of honoring your need for rest and recalibration as much as you honor your need to be dope and amazing and ambitious and overachieving. But when you hear lazy especially with the work that you've done and maybe for the clients that you served, are there specific narratives that come up around that, um, that have struck you as a great question. I mean, I think I would say, I agree with you like lazy often. And I don't mean that in a a good way. Mm -hmm. Right. I think 
uh, being lazy often carries a negative connotation. I mean, one of the things that I tend to say is like, I don't really believe anyone's lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think this idea of laziness often comes from a place of like what you're saying, which is needing rest, needing to take breaks. Um, you know, sometimes it's procrastination because the pressure that you put on yourself to pre- be perfect and perform is overwhelming. And so instead of doing the work that you need to do, you're procrastinating because you're stressed, you're overwhelmed, right? And so I do think that often when people are calling themselves lazy, it's from a place of what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. Why am I not getting more done? And when I have conversations with Black women in particular about this, and we talk about how much they are doing and committed to, it's usually a problem that they are overcommitted Mm -hmm. and overextended, not that they are not doing enough. It's that they are tired (laughs) from doing the most and doing so much, but not acknowledging it and not being acknowledged by the world. And then when they need rest um, or they don't have the energy to do one more thing, then they're calling themselves lazy. Yeah, that's so true. And I agree fully with every example that you use, because that was also the way that I viewed the word, you know, the word and the phrasing of it, um, especially before I would say the last maybe five to eight years, I could definitely hear myself saying the word in the way it's traditionally used, especially within our community. Um, the same way I was with honestly the word selfish, which was for mm. me about 12 plus years ago before I my nerd kicked in and I really looked up the ideology of the word and found out where it came from and found that it was really meant to shame women specifically. And I was like, mm. oh no, let me let me redefine this. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a running joke that I don't start anything, but I will absolutely finish it. And I was like, well, let me <laughs> let me finish this because this is not okay that this word selfishness has been used to hold individual groups down, whole groups, whole genders down. And now anyone who wants to use it in a weaponized way will say, oh, you're not coming to my event that I'm having that's important to me. And you call yourself a friend while well, you're being selfish. And it doesn't matter that you have a fever or that you're recovering or that you just were back to back on flights and really needed downtime. That same friend won't understand it and will use that word in a different way. And of course, we know it's used as a super weapon within more intimate relationships, more romantic relationships. So I redefined it as I do so many words um, because I have Nikita-isms. I make up words too. It's like a a whole thing. Uh, But I redefined it to mean a personal intimate gift to create joy your way. And the Mm. gift is the spaciousness that you're giving yourself Mm. when you're saying, I'm being intentionally selfish today to honor my need to pause. I'm being intentionally selfish today to do my self-forgiveness work, my self-acceptance work in the the name of Dr. Adia, my unconditional self-worth work. You need space for that. And you can't Mm -hmm. do that while you are, excuse my French, breastfeeding every single person who comes up to you who needs Mm. your gift and you feel guilty because you have a gift Mm -hmm. that you're not giving, but you actually need the time to recharge or whatever the re is that you need to do, revitalize, refuel, whatever. You need that time so you can give without giving with resentment and not Mm -hmm. giving from this space of I had to versus I want to, which you know Mm -hmm. more than most people is a whole nother litany of issues that can come up when you find yourself being in a space where you're constantly doing things that you have to do 
versus mm-hmm. having the joyousness to do some of the things, preferably most of the things that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think for so many of us, what was modeled is obligation to everyone else first and the sense that your joy comes through other people's joy, mm-hmm. right? Like if other people are happy, if your kids are happy, if your partner's happy, you know, if your colleagues are happy, if your boss is happy, or maybe your, you know, employees, then you'll be happy. And so your joy is secondary, right? And that if you center your joy or set boundaries or do those things, as you're saying, it's called selfish. When what we know is most of us who are scared of being selfish will never get to the sort of traditional form Come of on. selfishness where you are ignoring everyone's needs. But if you sort of start to say, okay, I'm going to be selfish for a day, as you're talking about, mm-hmm. you're actually going to balance things out a little bit more. You're going to recharge yourself. You're going to make sure that you are poured into and prioritizing yourself. And then everyone, you and everyone else in your life are going to be better for it. Absolutely. 1000%. I really want to shake my maraca right now, but I know my husband, who's also the editor of this podcast, is going to scream at the loud noise. (laughs) So I'm just going to visually shake (laughs) because that hands down, 1000% is the truth on every level. So I'm curious, what's like your work rest style? Like when you're trying to recalibrate, rejuvenate, refuel, like all the reads when you're in that space of, you know what? I need to honor this space for me because I know I'm amazing. I know I'm accomplished. I've done some great things and I have even more that I want to do. But right now I'm feeling my body tell me that I need a little bit Mm -hmm. of one of those reads. What's kind of your, your work rest style around that when you need to, you know, give yourself permission to recalibrate? That's a really good question. And I think I'm in process of kind of, figuring that out and exploring that. So I think, um, you know, I think on a day-to-day level, I am very consistent with like, I need seven and a half to eight hours of sleep. I know that about myself. I do not do well. Sleep deprivation does not look good on me. So (laughs) seven and eight, seven, you know, seven and a half to eight hours of sleep. You know, I meditate regularly. I don't work generally as a general rule. I don't work in the evenings. I don't work on the weekends, right? Like I've sort of set those boundaries. Um, And then I am sort of in this exploration phase of, what does it look like to have a more restful season? So I'm actually sort of experiencing that in my business, right? Like generally I'm a high energy, mm-hmm. motivated, like drive, push forward, move forward type of person. And right now um, I will say, I feel like I'm being invited into stillness and slowness and ease because there is not like nothing is coming for me to push on. Yeah. Right. Like I've been like, what about this? It's not happening. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sort of moving through this period of what does it look like to, you know, do some work. I'm seeing clients, but then have a little bit more ease, not have a big project or a big launch or something that I'm pushing towards. Mm -hmm. And how can I relax into that? Right? Like how can I allow myself to have slower mornings, which is something I really enjoy. How can I allow myself to have more white space on my calendar? Maybe spend more time reading. I took a day a couple weeks ago to just like kind of do a mini retreat and Mm -hmm. not check my email and not check social media and just reflect and 
journal and read. And so I think I'm sort of move, I'm being invited to move through what that looks like, um, to move through a slower season and not see it as a problem, but see it as a gift and an opportunity for sort of a deepening Mm -hmm. of rest on all levels. Yeah, no, I love that first. I mean, you're speaking my language, right? Like for so many reasons, those kind of invited days, I call those those permission to pause breaks that you literally are giving yourself permission to pause and pause isn't necessarily what people think. You're not always in a yoga pose. You're not always in a pretzel meditating. Like, yes, those are all possibilities, but sometimes pause is doing a movement meeting in a different way. Like you're linking up. I have a friend I haven't talked to in a really long time because of our travel schedules. And we were able to just like both talk and walk while we were, Mm. you know, doing our normal walking exercises. But I was like, this feels good. I don't have to call you after. I don't have to do it later. I don't have to schedule it in, you know, four months from now when we really probably would have a dedicated, let's sit down, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. break. But being able to do something that feels like it's literally fueling you and not draining, even if you are in movement of some way. Mm-hmm. Like you, when you're reflecting and you're reading and you're journaling, you're technically doing something, but you're doing it in a way that feels like it's it's not even feeling. It's actually fueling you in a different way. So when you do have that audit you have to handle or you had a client in crisis or whatever might happen hopefully no time soon, but on the other side of the moon on a different day, then you have the energy to actually do Mm -hmm. it and you can do it without regretting it, which I think is a big issue, especially Mm -hmm. within our communities. We do a lot of things, a lot of things, a lot of hats, a lot of spinning plates is what I visualize. And with that, sometimes that resentment of what you Mm -hmm. didn't say no to or what you did Mm -hmm. say yes to can be a really big inside monster, just like eating you up and that Mm -hmm. plagues you for so many ways. So you leaning into this season, I like how you said that, this season of uh, a more controlled way of being. I was going to say calibrated, but that's actually not the word that I was looking for. When I say controlled, it's you saying, I don't have to do all the things I thought I had to do to validate my professional existence before. Mm-hmm. I get to control this ease by simply surrendering to it and allowing. Like, yes, I'm responsible. I'm going to meet with my clients. I'm going to, you mm-hmm. know, uh, honor the obligations and the commitments of whatever contractual periods I have with people, places, and things. Of course, I'm going to do that. But I don't have to stuff the white space that could have been there with Mm -hmm. a bunch of, oh, no, I got to create this system and do this launch. And like you said, like pushing towards that button. So I hear you really Mm -hmm. fully when you say it. And I hope that the people who are watching and or listening to this, depending on what platform that you hear it from, also receive what Dr. Adi is saying. You can surrender into what is your inner brilliance, like trust your inner brilliance, trust that what you have is enough. And if you have a season where you need to be a little bit more relaxed, so you have more spaciousness to give you, then honor that. The storm, hurricanes, and tsunamis are coming because they come for all of us. (laughs) So why not enjoy this moment where you actually might get, I mean, I'm a highly spiritual person. I'm very centered that way. You might get actual downloads that direct Mm -hmm. you into the, place you were supposed to be versus the place you were running to when you were just 
go, 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 go. So I think that that is pretty amazing on so many levels. Yeah, I really agree with that. And I, I guess what I just want to add is like, it's not always easy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure some people are listening and they're like, okay, that sounds good. Mm-hmm, but like, mm-hmm. you know, and I would say I have had to teach myself, practice relaxing. I mean, certainly coming out of graduate school, which I was totally in overworking, right? I've had to practice relaxing. And there are days when I'm like, okay, yeah, like this feels good. And then there are other days where I'm like, (gasps) I'm supposed to be doing something else. Aren't I supposed to be doing something else? Shouldn't I be doing something else? Right? Because this goes against the grain, right? Like what we're talking about goes against the grain of the culture that we are in, right? We are in a capitalist society that says, do more, produce Mm -hmm. more, give more, constant, constant, constant. And that's what makes you worthy. Mm -hmm. And so saying, no, I've done enough, or there isn't anything for me to do right now can feel really uncomfortable. And sometimes we use busyness to distract ourselves from what we don't want to face, what we don't want to sit with, what we don't want to look at. Right. And so if sometimes releasing that busyness and that attachment to continue to do is really, it's confronting, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's like releasing one of our armor, our defense mechanism. Right. And so it's like, okay, How do I release it and soothe myself and have practices to ground myself and remember the truth of like who I am and what I believe in a broader picture? And that is like, that's sort of why I call it an invitation, right? Like it's not that I've like willingly been like, I'm going to just like take a rest. And this is like, I'm so ready for this, right? It's like on one level, I want it. On another level, it's scary. And so it's also sort of working through that in an honest way and then being kind and compassionate to myself along, along the way, along the journey. Yeah. And you hit a really good underlined slash highlight and put it in neon lights words or phrase, be kind to yourself because that's part of the other side of selfish behavior is when you're shaming yourself for something. And when you look at the, what I would call the formal definition of that, and you're pointing out it's important for you to honor that you have to be as kind to yourself as you would be to anyone else as you would want someone to be to you, as you would want someone to be to your children, whether they are physical children, business babies, or pets, right? Like you want Mm -hmm. to treat yourself just as well. And we won't often do that. We will cuss ourselves out in the ugliest and nastiest way, but we would never necessarily, depending on the type of human you are, for the people that I'm talking to, you wouldn't necessarily give that to someone else who hasn't truly earned it. And most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we haven't earned that negativity. We haven't, like, yeah, you made a mistake. You went a little heavy here. You went a little light there. You should have pulled back in the other, but it didn't justify the beat down, the verbal beat down that we gave ourselves. So I hear you fully with that. I do want to ask, considering my new definition of intentionally selfish, you know, giving yourself that gift of spaciousness, that personal gift to create your joy your way what's a intentionally selfish thing that you like to do for yourself personally that you would like to share with the audience oh that's a good question um I mean I think there are a lot of little things so like I love taking a good long shower and Mm -hmm. putting essential oils in there to make it smell really nice 
Um, you know, on the weekends I quote unquote sleep in and for me sleeping in with a almost 18 month old means like sleeping until six. (laughs) Hey, I'll take it. (laughs) Well, my husband like, you know, gets the baby up on the weekends. Um, cause I, I do like mornings and during the week, um, I make myself hot chocolate every morning. That's delicious. And, you know, I really love, um, so I would say those are little things. I think mm-hmm. I'm in also a season of exploring what this looks like as a new mom, yeah. you know, with like different time constraints, different financial constraints, different responsibilities. And like, what does it look like to carve out time, space, money for me to do things for myself? And so some of that is, you know, sleeping and meditating and making sure that I exercise and those things that I know, like eating well, that make me feel good. Um, and I think there is the pieces of like, um, you know, when I was, when we, before we had kids, being selfish or prioritizing myself wouldn't really have that big of an impact on my husband. Cause like, if I'm out, I mean, he's fine. Mm-hmm. Right. But now if I leave, well then he's responsible for our daughter and he's very involved, but it, it just, it's a different negotiation. Yeah. Right. And so I think I'm also in this period of like, what does this look like to balance my responsibility, my desire to be a present you know, mom and an engaged and supportive wife. Like, what does that look like to balance and navigate that while also prioritizing myself? So I think I'm coming off of a period where I was very centered in my life, right? Like I didn't get married till I was 36. Right. So it was like, I was centered. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we got married and we had a bit, you know what I mean? But so now I'm in a space where that's different Mm -hmm. and I'm negotiating, okay, like, what is this, what does this look like in this new life phase? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> there's so many things that I can say to that. But what I will say, because I want to honor for all of you who don't know, Dr. Adia is totally in her season of being interviewed and all the things. So I know she has another press appointment in like four minutes and I want to give you a bio break. So what I will say is the different beautiful level that you're in is it's gorgeous. And I remember when mm-hmm. I went from one to the other and then to the other and to the other. My kids are 27, 22, and I'm a grandmom now. So it's, yeah, the five and four from the oldest. And it is a very, very different season. And even that has a different version of balance and a different way of being now that we're more advisors as parents versus authoritarian in the way that we were just trying to keep them safe and kind of keep them in our own version of a bubble. Um, and they're, they're not in that bubble anymore. So it's a whole different, it's a different, beautiful is what I wanted to, mm-hmm. to say as I heard you speaking that, um, and as a balance and rela- relationship advisor to power couples, I will say, oh my God, yes, yes. And yes, <laughs> <laughs> I hear you fully <laughs> in all the ways. Um, so before I let you go, because I want you to have transition space, I wouldn't be the person I am without saying, let me honor that truly. So you can have at least a few minutes of transition. Where would you like people to to go to get more of you and all of the beauty that you're sharing in the world. Yeah. So, um, finding me on Instagram and I'm at Dr. Adia Gooden. And then on LinkedIn, same, um, Dr. Adia Gooden is a great place to go. I post reels and little snippets of wisdom, 
um, all the time. And then heading to my website, dradiagoodin.com is a great, I have a free ebook, which I think you'll link on four practices to connect to your unconditional self-worth, which is a great way to get started on your self-worth journey. No, oh, I love that. Oh, guys, can I just point out that she did not have a boundary breach when she gently corrected how I've been pronouncing her name because I've clearly been saying Adia and it's Adia, <laughs> but in my head, every A is an A. So <laughs> mm. thank you for being so gentle. <laughs> the way you were like, let me correct this woman. Okay. Like I heard you. I felt you. I will never make that mistake again. Trust. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Atia, for coming to the Lazy Overachiever, sharing your spaciousness with us, sharing your time and being so authentic. I really do appreciate mm. you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor and I love being in conversation with you. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thank you again for staying with us. I want you to sit in your body and remember you do not have to do all the things. You can literally rebel against the rush. Embrace a little more of your laziness and trust your inner brilliance. That's all I ask. Nikita Rin Thigpen. See you on the other side of the moon. Thank you.